Dan Rather is the best at digging up unbelievable stories. But if you're looking for some surprises, check out Music's Greatest Mysteries, the podcast. Hey there. Welcome to Dan Rather's The Big Interview, the podcast for music lovers, full of thought-provoking interviews and conversations like you've never heard before with some of the biggest names in the biz. Each episode will bring you exclusive in-depth interviews from your favorite artists, from classic rock and country to timeless music everyone enjoys. We cover it all right here on Dan Rather's The Big Interview. So sit back and enjoy these magnificent stories from the artists that lived it. Here's your host, Dan Rather. When it comes to rock stars, it's usually the lead singer who steals the stage. But when you play guitar like this, it's easy to see why the smooth and sultry sounds of Carlos Santana have made him a superstar. From his first hit single, Evil Ways, in 1969, to his mega hit, Maria Maria, three decades later, Carlos Santana treasures each and every one of his songs. Each one is my first French kiss. Is that personal? Is that intimate? Each one, from the first note, and then, then they go. The passionate, the spiritual, the unique, Carlos Santana, tonight on The Big Interview. The rich Latin blues and jazz-infused sound of Carlos Santana is unmistakable. Before world music was a category, or crossover artist was a term, Carlos Santana's universal appeal was obvious. Today, this international superstar is considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time. And over 40 years into his career, he's still putting out new songs and being honored by the music world. You might say music is ingrained in Carlos Santana. Born in the small town of Outland, Mexico, he followed in the footsteps of his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather, picking up instruments at a young age. He cut his teeth playing guitar in the strip clubs of Tijuana. Oh, okay. Recently, he released his candid autobiography, The Universal Tone. In it, he talks about some of the darkest parts of his life, including being sexually abused by an American man as a child, and his divorce from his wife of 34 years. But this deeply spiritual musician acknowledges there's much more to celebrate than to mourn when it comes to looking back on his life. His family immigrated to the United States when Santana was a teen, landing him in the epicenter of San Francisco's hippie culture. 
the spirit of the time made an impact on his music and his unforgettable appearance at Woodstock catapulted him into stardom. Since then, he's sold over 100 million records, won 10 Grammy Awards, three Latin Grammys, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And four years ago, he married the woman he calls his soulmate, accomplished drummer Cindy Blackman. We met up with Carlos Santana at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. Our cameras were allowed in for a rare glimpse of sound check as Santana and his band put the final touches on their show before opening night. Well, listen, I've been listening to you this afternoon. You're terrific. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so and much. Carlos Santana. How are you? It's an honor to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for doing this. Thank event. you. I don't know how you do it. You play all afternoon, you play all night. <laughs> well, this is joy, you know. Joy is not labor or anything like that or a job. It's, it's uh, more like an offering, you know. And the more you get into it from your heart, the less you feel gravity and time and mischief or grief or anything like that. You know? Those whole things disappear. You well, know? I, I, I read you. How do you get in the mindset to do that? You rehearse a great deal in the afternoon, work really hard at it, then come back at night. How do you get your head up here on the stage to give it everything to the audience. Well, thank you for asking that. You know, it's, it's, there's two words that create a lot of energy. is is willingness to allow and allow willingness. I've been doing this since I was a child, and, and, and for, for me, this, this is, uh, you take a deep breath, and you trust that you can create thrust. And it works. And it works. And then once we get, our, once we get chills with each other, then they're gonna get chills. And we're going to make it memorable for them because we're not into we're not into disposable sound bites. Mm -hmm. we, we we like to make things memorable. You know, think of the most memorable interview you ever done, where, where you go home and you say, "Damn, that was great timing and great questions." This and, is going to be one of them. <laughs> Watching Santana at Soundcheck, it was clear that while he has fun making music, he also takes it very seriously. He often steps in to work with members of his band to get the sound he's looking for exactly right. By the way, I know something about that. I've never seen you play the drums. Oh, yeah. You know, once in a while, it's just, it's just for a point of reference that, that I... I uh, it's like a chef that, that might ask the other chefs, put a little bit more oregano or onions or something, you know, because I just don't want things to sound bland and repetitious. I want it to constantly sound like, you know, like your, your first date and you're constantly touching and kissing and everything, and it's always mounting. I want it to always mount. I don't want it to stay flat with sameness and predictable. You talked about inspiring the audience. One of the things you want to do is inspire the audience. How do you stay inspired? You've done this thousands of times. Yes, uh, you know, the best way to, to, to do one thing is to do the other, and then you get this, this thing. For example, it's impossible to be happy unless you're grateful first. So once, once I start saying thank you for the shirt, and thank you for the watch, and thank you for my guitar, and thank you for the food, thank you that the house is paid, thank you that people sold out, thank, you know, the more you start thinking, gratitude, the bigger the smile gets. 
because the opposite of gratitude is negative entitlement. And when people give you everything at that point, it's not enough. So then I don't want to be that. I'd rather say, go back to when you were five years old and they give you the first roll of tickets to go to Disneyland and, and, and take all the rides for free, you know, that kind of thing, you know, so it's... it's, it's well, this really strikes, you know, this resonates with me, and I'll tell you why. My maternal grandmother, who lived a rural life in another age, was fond of saying, and forgive her grammar, we is above average blessed. You and I are above average blessed. That's wonderful. I, I totally relate to that. It, it, it means you're very present and conscious with appreciation. Right. You know, and, and that, that for me is, is, is what keeps everything away from gravity or time or fear. Those are the three enemies of musicians. Gravity, you want it off the ground. Uh, time, you know, we got to get rid of time. And when you go into that place where it's just a juicy big now, you know. And that's what we have here. Juicy yeah, big now. A juicy big now. I'll be back with more of my interview with Carlos Santana in just a moment. You're listening to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. We'll be back with Santana. Welcome back to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Today's guest is Santana. Well, you're opening at the House of Blues mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, and I'm reminded that originally the band was called Santana's Santana Blues, Blues Band. band. Mm -hmm. Were you the leader of that band? No, at that time there was no leader. It was mainly we were all kind of like an organ, living organism. I think I became a leader because everything that happened led me to to say someone has to be the spiritual adult in this situation and take as they say, take the bull by the horns or, or take responsibility or something, you know, because after a while, we all, we all it, it happens to all the bands. After a while, uh, other things became more important than the sacredness of the music. And, and, I, and I was trying to, um, as much as I could, uh, maintain diligence of consistency with honoring the music rather than the high of cocaine or this or that, you know. I want us not to be so distracted with the outside stimuli. Because when you're inspired, man, you don't need none of that stuff. Well, you know, this runs counter to what, from the outside at least, seems to be the, the credo of many musicians, that you can't make really great music, you can't be really creative without cocaine or heroin or peyote or something. Okay, I, I can go with peyote, but the other <laughs> ones are, are, see, there's a difference between medicine and drugs. Drugs humans make in a laboratory. Medicine Mother Nature makes from the ground up. And that won't hurt you. That will heal you with the right tea, the right things, you know. Uh, I think it's called photosynthesis. This beam of light 
give this information to all these plants, what color, what flavor, what texture, what aroma to be. And when they dry and you, you boil them and you drink them, they know what organs to heal, your liver or your kidneys, you know. So to me, there's, there's a sacred language that comes from a beam of light. I may want to come back to this subject, but okay. right now I was asking you about you're playing in the House of Blues. Mm -hmm. I've never been here before. What a terrific venue. Yes, yes. A, I call it a laboratory. <laughs> but, and we were talking about it was first Santana's Blues Band. Mm -hmm. Do you still play the blues? Absolutely, every day. It's just in a different form. What is blues? The blues is the essence of not whining or complaining or crying in your beer, it ain't that. It's like, sometimes I feel like a motherless child, you know? And all music without the blues, the food will taste like wet newspapers. They will have no flavor to it. The, I'm not saying you have to suffer, but you do have to feel deeply profound emotions. Blues is supreme emotions. If you don't have that, be a stenographer, be a banker, be a lawyer, be something else. But real musicians, you need emotions and blues so that people can believe that, that their pain and your pain can be celebrated. In your opinion, present company excluded, greatest blues musician of all time. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, that, that is so subjective. Uh, you know, if you ask, like for me right now, it's still Buddy Guy in, 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 in Otis Rush. But each one will say, well, there's Muddy Waters, and Muddy Waters will say Robert Johnson, and Robert Johnson will say somebody else. But for me, it, it's still Miles Davis, you know, and John Coltrane. They, they, can, they can play some serious, profound, intelligent, brilliant blues. Not, not, not just, you know, not just little blues of da 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 you know, that, I mean, they, their blues is like a, the Pacific Ocean in the Grand Canyon. It's very intelligent, like Mozart but it's got the blues. That's Miles and Coltrane. Greatest blues tune ever written, ever sung, ever played. Oh, let's see. I think it was Willie, Willie Dixon who, who did a, I just want to make love to you. You know, because The Doors, Bo Diddley, my, everybody covered that song. You know, there's certain songs that Led Zeppelin, everybody covered. And that's because they're so God bucket naked, raw, that anyone can understand it, which is what you're supposed to do with music, make people feel a collective commonality with your spirit and your heart. Yeah. Who will be in the crowd tonight? Who, who listens to your music? Who comes to live venues to hear you play? A lot of, a lot of people who are really thirsty for righteousness, uh, thirsty for uh, what I call spiritual romance. Spiritual romance. Spiritual romance. You know, it's not dirty and vulgar and weird. It, it's, it's like, ah, you know. Uh, everyone needs spiritual romance, you know. Uh, without that, I wouldn't want to be in this planet at all. Candidly, ever get tired of just playing, you know, Black Magic Woman, uh, Evil Ways, you know, your list of hits. Ever get tired of hitting? I never get tired of visiting them because uh, they're, they're children, they're living children, and uh, it's like combing their hair for the first time after they took a shower or a bath, and you have to be very careful not to make them cry and not to hurt them. Uh, so you have to really visit Black Magic Woman, Maria Maria, or you know, all the songs. They're living children for me. 
Each one is my first French kiss. Is that personal and that intimate? Each one. From the first note, uh, mm. and then, then they go, uh, mm. that's why they paid for the parking lot and the drinks and everything, man, because they want to feel connected with their passion. They do, and they also want you to hear you play your distinctive sound. And it's marked by kind of a glass smooth guitar sound. Thank you so How much. did you come to that? How do you, how do you accomplish that? How do you hold it? You know, that, that I don't take any credit from that. I think I was giving that just, just like a dolphin is a dolphin and a bird is a bird. I can only say thank you, God, because uh, in one note, I'm able to express uh, so many people that I love, you know, and, and so many stories. You have to be able to tell a story even in one note that people can wow. say, ah, oh, stop. I'll talk to you later. That speaks to me, you know, and, and I'm not in the business of anything. I am in the way of life of connecting with a language that you become like Bob Marley or Michael Jackson. You become frozen in time now, completely memorable. More with Carlos Santana in just a moment. You're listening to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. We'll be back with Santana. Welcome back to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Today's guest is Santana. It was the opening night for Carlos Santana's multi-month run at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. He played to an intimate, sold-out crowd, wowing them with some of his biggest hits. The next morning, I sat down with Santana to learn more about the man behind the music. Well, you, know, you put so much into your performances. How do you come down from something like last night? I mean, clearly, you're all in. You, you held nothing back. How long does it take you to come down? How do you come down? It takes like about an hour and a half. Uh, and you read, you know, you, um, now that I live here in Las Vegas, I, I jump in the pool. I come down by also repetition, you know, chant, Nam Yoho Kyo or the Ave Maria. Repetition creates a form of uh, tranquility for your brain because your brain gets ecstatic a lot. So after an energy like that, you, you need to go into like uh, gentle arriving instead of like being like a robot hitting everything, everything on the walls. So I, I, I chant, uh, I chant, <clears throat> I am that I am, <clears throat> excuse me, I am that I am, I am the light, gratitude, 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 gratitude. 
You came to this country at what age? 1963, so I was like, uh, well, 14, 16, Well, tell me, about 50. Those, tell me about those first days. At first it was a drag, you know, because I grew up in Tijuana in strip joints. So to me, I was like, can anything better be better than this, you know, uh, for education, you know, uh, in music and in also in um, how women walk, how women seduce, or how women just, you know, there's a reason people, men say, oh my God, you know, women have a lot of power. And the way I grew up in Tijuana, uh, the way they walk and everything was very, very conducive to how I articulate sassiness, uh, conviction, you know, uh, shoot, I got this and you need this, you know, and, and um, it's almost like they have to be really self-assured that I got something, you know, the way I walk and, and don't mess me up, drummer, you know, when I'm walking, you know, a lot of the music from Thelonious Monk is almost like strip joint music, you know, with the, everything, you know. So to me, being a kid, growing up in, in, a, in a strip joint in Tijuana, I was better than any Circle de Soleil I ever been to, you know? Carlos Santana and his family left Mexico and started a new life in San Francisco in the early 1960s. The city was the epicenter of a flourishing hippie culture, peace, love and music prevailed. As a young boy, Carlos had started both the violin and the guitar and decided to pursue music as a career in his new home. Santana got his big chance when a guitarist at the famed Fillmore West was too drunk to perform and a 19-year-old Carlos Santana was called on to fill in, impressing everyone with his formidable guitar playing. He formed a band with a few other street musicians and quickly developed a following in the San Francisco club scene. But he and the rest of the Santana Blues Band were still virtual unknowns when they first stepped on stage at one of the most legendary concerts of all time, Woodstock. Well, fair to say your breakout performance was at Woodstock. Yes, absolutely. Transport us back to that time in Woodstock. Tell us what happened and how, what you were feeling at the time. When we flew in in this helicopter, this army helicopter, green helicopter, uh, that the, the army, army people were using because everything else was a disaster area. There was no way to get in there. The freeways were all, you know, blocked. And then I saw this living organism, like an ocean of people, hair and colors, and I was like, whoa, look at it, you know? And you could hear, you know? For me, it felt like if you were with Jesus when he was feeding people with bread and fish, you know, and it was a congregation of a bunch of people who felt that we, we didn't know it, 
but we felt that we had the power by being united to stop Vietnam, to protest in universities, to, along with the Black Panthers or Dolores Huerta or Cesar Chavez, we could change the system, you know? The, the, the songs that were like support system, like, like as, as Bob Dylan used to say, notes are more important than bullets. All these songs create this, yes, we can. And, of course, it was common to express that belief through drugs, which were not at all hard to find at Woodstock. Santana recalled running into the Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia shortly after choppering in, thinking that he had at least seven hours to kill before he went on stage, Santana said he accepted Garcia's offer to do a little mind-altering. But in the chaos of the concert's ever-shifting schedule, due to traffic jams and rainy weather, Santana soon learned he would be performing much earlier than he expected. I took it, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I came on, bam, you know, just, there's a face saying, you need to go on now. Otherwise, you're not going to play. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Everything becomes really, like, colors, amoeba, you know, everything is like, oh, dang. And then I see the crowd. And the band is looking at me like, man, you know, don't. You, you, you. So I go on, on the stage. Uh, it, it, I don't even know how I walked. And next thing I know, I, I, we're, we're playing this, this set. And I think I'm going by what Shirley MacLaine calls muscle memory. And I'm, and I'm, but when we got to Soul Sacrifice, I noticed that the neck of my guitar was like an electric snake. It, w it wouldn't stand still, you know? I was like, you know, so I'm making some seriously ugly faces anyway to try to keep it from, from slithering so much, you know? What was the stuff? You're talking about marijuana, you're talking about cocaine, you're talking about heroin? No, 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 no cocaine, never, uh, or heroin, never. Uh, it was, it was probably psilocybin, which is another word for mescaline or peyote or ayahuasca. So you hit it big, very big after Woodstock. The yes. world opened up to you. What did that do to you as a person? Did you get deep into liquor? Did you get deep into drugs? I got deeper into depression. The more money we made and the more number ones we had on the radio or, or in the charts, I thought I was losing my mind. I was becoming more and more depressed. After a while, you know, the adulation that the world gives you uh, can become very, very um, heavy on you. You know, all of a sudden, like, you're, so, you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. And, and I'm like, man, I don't, I just want to practice and make the music Genuine, honest, sincere, true for real, and authentic. Make it true, you know? There's more with Carlos Santana straight ahead, so stay here with us. You're all about to get down to the sounds of Carlos Santana. Maria, Maria, she reminds me of a West Side 
moved your music. How would you describe your music? Oh, my music is delicious. Anytime. Uh, my music uh, is sacred and sexy. Like the doors. They're sacred and sexy, the doors. Well, fair to describe it as Latin music, quote unquote? Well, you know, I don't deny being Latin, whatever that is, even though I don't speak nomus seculus seculorum, I don't speak Latin, you know. But they, they give us this name in Hollywood. Oh, Latin lover, like Cesar Romero and Anthony Quinn and Fernando Lamas and uh, Ricardo Montalban. They must be Latin lovers, like, okay, you know. I can be all of those and none of those at the same time. What I am is a musician who articulates 99.9 Africa, African music. African music. African music. That's what I play. African music. Whether it's blues or uh, cha-cha-cha, mambo, rumba, uh, shapo, guaracha, bossa nova. You know, I can give you all the names, but the, all those songs, all those rhythms and everything comes from Africa. <laughs> Santana's music has never been easy to categorize. He has always resisted the typical three-minute, easily digestible radio hits, instead opting to let his personal preference for jazz and blues drive his musical choices. The renowned record producer, Clive Davis, who worked closely with Santana over the years, repeatedly warned him of the risks of being such a musical purist. And that was the problem. Uh, my best friend and brother, Clive, would say, Clive Davis would say, you're doing career suicide. There's not one single within a thousand miles of here. You know, what are you doing, you know? I think I, I needed to, what I call, letting the hamster out of the cage. What does that mean? Letting the hamster out of the cage mean playing music that's beyond the realm of radio. Kind of like long, soundtracks uh, that they almost like they use them for in, 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 in movies. Santana put his trust into the talents of other, often younger, musical artists when he put together the most successful album of his career, 1999's mega hit, Supernatural. And it's a hot one, like seven inches from the the song Smooth with Matchbox 20's Rob Thomas spent 12 weeks at number one. That was just one of several collaborations with musicians that ranged from Eric Clapton to Lauren Hill. Supernatural was a major comeback for Santana, released 18 years after his last platinum album and after he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Supernatural sold over 30 million copies and earned him a whopping nine Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. He's hoping lightning will strike twice with his latest album, Carzon.
His first all-Spanish language album, Corazon, Paris Santana's distinctive guitar sound with vocalists from around the world. You're very good at collaborating with people, particularly singers. Yeah. How did you come to that, and how does that work? You know, I'm very grateful that people trust me. Uh, they know that if they invite me, I won't step on their lines. I will not, you know, do, do anything to disturb uh, their space and, and, and place in the song. You know, I know when and where to get, get in and get out and what, because I have a big portfolio of melodies and nuances and things that I learned from so many about how to adorn something around a melody to make it gorgeous. And your latest album, Corazon, tell me about that. How did it come about? What do you hope it will accomplish? Oh, well, this particular vision came from the mind of um, my brother-in-law and manager now, uh, Michael Briones. And he said, have you ever thought of doing a supernatural in Spanish, Latino? And I was like, what? You know, and uh, so he put the seeds of uh, uh, inten intentionality. We came up with songs. Songs to me are like shoes. And then you look for the Cinderella or Cinderfella. Who's going to sing them, you know, a she or a he? But, but the song is like a shoe. Who's going to fit this song, you know? And by the grace of God, everything that we conjured that day became, and we were, when we were done with the last song and the last artist, that we said, you know, we're going to call him, and I'm, we're pretty sure he's gonna, he or she would want to do it. And man, we're probably going to have like a really, really good night at the Latin Grammys. And I said, Latin Grammys? Why stop there? Why don't we go to the World Cup? Everybody goes, World Cup? says, yeah, why, you know, why, go big, you know, let's go big. And Santana did just that. The song, Dharam Jato, We Will Find a Way, became the official anthem of the 2014 World Cup. The energetic collaboration with Wycliffe, Avicii, and Alexander Pires was heard by sports fans around the world. I'll be back with more of my interview with Carlos Santana in just a moment. I'm going to take you back. You've lived to say the least, a full life. Still a young man, but lived a full life. Thank you. What's the worst thing that's happened to you in your life? Probably uh, the darkest night of the soul is divorce after 34 years of marriage. Because my mother and father were married by six months, 60 years. And Deborah's, my ex-wife, parents were married forever. So we didn't know divorce. I didn't know divorce. After Supernatural, I think things just got out of hand with uh, her running 
uh, the business and the offices and the children and the homes and the families and everything. And I, I think it got too daunting for her because I remember her saying, you know, you, you create this vision, but I'm the nuts and bolts. I'm the one that has to deal with the, the you know. And uh, so I started feeling guilty because I felt like, you know, I'm on tour and I wish I could be the other way so she can, you can go on tour and I'll take care of the kids and look and smell the jasmine outside, you know. But anyway, for whatever reason, she said that the world that I was in was crushing her. But I take your point that you say divorce is one of the worst things that's happened to you now. But let me take you back to your younger years. Fair to say that you were abused as a child? That's right. Is there anything that you learned from that that you could share with us that might help some young person who's going through that kind of thing today? Or someone who suffered it as a young child but is now an adult and still having trouble with it? Thank you for asking that, Dan. You know, because th this and everything about this is about information about healing. Desmond Tutu's thing is there is no future without forgiveness. That's his thing. You know? uh, Dalai Lama's compassion. You know, everybody has their own thing, you know. What I found out is that I have the capacity to bring that person, his name was Jose El Americano, Jody, Jody American. And so I brought him from wherever he was in the world, whether he's dead or alive, put him in front of me, and then I turned him into a seven-year-old child. And when I saw him, then like this light, I saw light behind him. And I said to him, Jose, I'm going to send you into the light that's behind you. I'm not going to send you to hell because I'll go there with you. And I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to forgive you for what you did to me. And I'm going to send you into the light. And then I will be free. I will, I will be able to say, I am with innocence and purity, and I am not what happened to me. And as soon as I said that, it just felt like I was like I, I dropped so much shackles and chains and, and 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 guilt and you know guilt is because a lot of stuff that happens you think that you brought it upon yourself and all this kind of stuff you know. So what I recommend to people is that. When you forgive someone and send, send them totally into the light, you gain power. You know, my notes are juicier. My eyes have more light. I have more conviction. I'm not a walking victim who comes into the room, hi, nice to meet you, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who was molested, I'm a victim, you know. You drop all that stuff. Does one ever get over it, completely over it? Over what? Being molested, you mean? Yes. I have, I don't think about it. Uh, a lot of people, because of this book, a lot of people bring it up. And I, I believe that I'm in a place where I can say, you know, there's something beautiful that this guru said, this teacher said, the difference between God and man is that man is possessed by his possessions, his little possessions. And God is free of all that he is. I am free, you know. Uh, I appreciate all the things that humans give me, you know, the house that I live in and everything. But I'll tell you something, when I don't see it, I don't miss it. I'm not attached to anything 
other than Cindy, Black Miss Santana, my three children, even my guitar. I can grab any guitar in any store and still sound like me. So I'm not like superstitious that I, I need to have some kind of ritual with the amplifier. No, I'm free from that. What's left on your bucket list? I dream of having one, like Ted Turner, one TV station globally that would only show beauty, elegance, excellence, grace, dignity, integrity, not all the other crap that they show in every other channel of fear. You know, and I call I call fear crap. I'm not I'm not afraid to call fear crap, you know, because we do promote a lot. But I I would I would have one TV channel that in the morning it starts with woman giving birth. Like seven in a row. You know, like and you and the first thing you see is the the eyes of the child coming out. We how many killings do we show a day? And we're grossed out about showing birth. So I would, you know, if I had the capacity, I would get a TV channel worldwide and present 24 hours excellence, beauty, integrity, all the things that the more you promote those things, the more people will sit differently. And, and instead of sitting like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm wretched and I'm full of crap and I'm useless and ah! You know, but because people can be programmed or deprogrammed to claim their own divine excellence. That's what I would promote. But I think you'll agree, it's more likely that water will start running uphill than there's going to be this kind of television station. That's what they said about the world being flat. Touche and fair enough. But on your bucket list, I mean, do you want to see the Taj Mahal? Maybe you've seen the Taj Mahal or the high Himalayas. Something you want to do, somewhere you want to go in life? No, those things are about as sacred as the backseat of a New York cab to me. What's really sacred, I think, is relationships with family. That's what's really sacred. Well, Carlos, outside of your own music, when your time comes, as it comes to us all, at the funeral service for you or the memorial service, what one piece of music would you prefer to have played? You know, the rascal in me wants to say La Cucaracha or Tequila, but I won't go there. Uh, or, uh, no, I think that the song that I would most like to hear, um, please don't play Amazing Grace. It'll piss me off. Don't play that one. Because I'm not a wretched sinner, so don't play that one. Not even last. Play Galaxy and Turia by Alice Coltrane. Because it sounds like heaven open up and I'm getting a standing ovation up there. <laughs> Carlos, thanks again. You've been more than generous in your time. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. And that's the big interview for tonight. We're always eager to hear what you have to say, so please follow us on Facebook and Twitter or send your comments to viewer at access.tv. Well, that wraps up another fantastic episode of Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Now, remember, if you love what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, leave us a review and tell a friend. Thank you for joining us for Dan Rather's The Big Interview, where music and conversation come together. <laughs>